Hello, and welcome to Must Go On, a podcast where we deep dive into virtual theater, an art form born out of necessity after the COVID-19 pandemic shut down public gatherings, and how this medium may have accidentally changed accessibility within theater audiences in a major way. The big question we're pondering is if virtual theater, or even aspects of it, have a future past the pandemic. The citations for all my sources are in the show notes. Today, we'll still be listening to the experiences of theater students who have attended college during the COVID-19 pandemic. As I mentioned before, we can't talk about the future of theater without the future of theater themselves. This episode will include interviews with these students. Hi, my name is Emily Lang. I use she, her, hers pronouns, and I go to Muhlenberg College. Hi, my name is Kiara Aiello. I use she, her pronouns, and I am going into my sophomore year at Muhlenberg College. Hi, I'm Allison Mintz. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I go to Muhlenberg College. Hello, guys. My name is Danny Milkis. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I am a rising junior at Muhlenberg College. Just like the last episode, all of their answers will be in the order they just introduced themselves. Let's go. Tell me about the experiences you have doing virtual theater, the different roles that you've played in it. Yeah, so in fall of 2020, I was in Muhlenberg's Youth and Prejudice Conference um, show. They did I Never Had Another Butterfly. Saw, I never saw another butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, and I played Raya, um, who the story centered around, um, a Jewish girl in a concentration camp. Um, and then... In the spring of 2021, I was the assistant, one of the assistant stage managers for Magic at Muhlenberg, um, which was a world premiere of a show about, um, to put it very simply, Black Girl Magic, kind of oversimplifying it. But um, those, among a bunch of other things, um, I also, in summer 2020, did this weird world premiere of a musical over Zoom about hip hop Cinderella. It was called hip hop Cinderella. So I've also done that. Um, <laughs> that's the rundown, I guess. And hip hop Cinderella was in the New York Times in case you weren't gonna oh, plug yeah. that up. <laughs> Go look it, it up, was. you can find her on the New York Times. <laughs> yes, I think um, we only had a picture in the virtual um, publication of it in the paper paper Hip Hop Cinderella was there. None of us were. Like, it was just, like, four lines. <laughs> yeah, it, it just existed. But still a pretty big deal. Big. Yeah, so I was very skeptical of virtual theater at first because I ended my senior year of high school on Zoom. Like, during pandemic times, everything sucked. <laughs> um, and, you know, we were required to do our final thesis project. That's a huge, huge part of the theater program at my high school um, online. And it had to be a video that we sent in, complicated recording all the separate parts and piecing it all together. So I, I took a little break after that because I was very, I, I was skeptical. I, it, it's not the same it, it can't be the same, you know? So I hadn't acted for a while. Um, I took kind of a year off of productions. Even my freshman year, I wasn't super um, engaged in any shows or any of that. And I, I did some final projects um, for my my first semester 
performance studies final, uh, performance in society final that was on zoom. That was a recorded zoom meeting. And it's not even that I didn't have a good experience with my high school senior project, but that it was, it, there was something different and more cohesive, probably, you know, kind of getting into the swing of things, getting accustomed to this platform, um, that had to play a part in it because I felt much more encouraged to get back into it. Um, and I started really working on self tapes and sending things in for whatever I could. I submitted a self tape for, um, the REM film collective and I'm a part of that and it's amazing. And we're mostly in person now, um, but we still do meetings over Zoom, rehearsals over Zoom, stuff like that. Um, and I decided that over the summer, I, I didn't care if my lessons or whatever program I decided to do was going to be in person or online and that I was just going to do it. And I'm doing a six-week program at the Neighborhood Playhouse studying Meisner. And, you know, it's really, I've taken classes there before and it's really hard to engage that much with another person when there's a screen between you and when you can't be in the same space. Um, That's really challenging, but it's been a really, really rewarding experience. And I feel so much more inclined to take full advantage of Zoom and all its wonderful opportunities. My biggest contribution to virtual theater throughout the past year has been uh, through a show that I stage managed through our theater department. Um, It was called A List. It's by Gertrude Stein. And it's a sort of avant-garde, serious play with a lot of interesting word choice and a lot of interesting thoughts about life and death and kind of an endless cycle. It was, it was that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it was faculty directed. It was a quote unquote main stage, although there wasn't a stage to be performed on, but I stage managing duty kind of consisted of, you know, sending everyone zoom links and coordinating how our show would be presented, you know, what kind of recording software would we use? Would it be live? Would it be on a regular Zoom call? Would it be on a webinar? All the fun things that we've had to learn and, like, look at ourselves in the mirror for. Like, I I hosted a webinar tonight. It was an experience that I will happily never do again, but I think (laughs) it's good in terms of, you know, everyone always tells you college is a good time to expand your horizons. This is not what they meant, not at all, man. Not at all. <laughs> Please don't like go through this. But you know, it was a good te- test of my flexibility as a leader. Um, my abilities as a stage manager, like how do you stage manage when there's no stage and you're all just communicating via air- airwaves and you know, a professor who's used to doing everything by hand, like I love this professor. He usually would have us print out essays to grade for him. So how can how hard will it be to transition from that to, you know, being completely virtual, live streaming your theatrical event, um, all that kind of stuff. So I also acted as like the liaison between the artistic staff and technology, um, which can be really fun to tell, you know, really artistically motivated people. You can't do that. Mm. I mean, that's kind of a stage manager's job. I also communicate a lot with the department, um, the theater department at our school, um, which was rather stressful, but I am glad I got to do it. 
actually virtual theater came as kind of like a, I don't know, it was like a rebirth for, for my whole like theater career. I got into, you know, aspects of designing and directing. I never thought that I would be getting into um, as, you know, primarily in high school and early college, I, I was, you know, very gung ho on, on acting. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I started with um, an original project uh, called Sanctorum, which I have continued even now. We did two workshops completely virtually. Um, and then I also helped um, with two of the Muhlenberg MTA's productions as a designer. Um, I did film editing and composing for um, for two of their productions, one being Macbeth, which I, I fully composed and edited half of, and then the other one being Ambivalence. The title is a lot longer, but they shortened it to Ambivalence. Um, it's a Tony Kushner play, and I did the, the editing and then a little bit of composing for uh, the beginning and end. But... I think um, it was definitely, you know, putting on different hats and I was, I was used to, it was definitely an eye-opening experience for me in, in, in all of those areas. In your opinion, what's the biggest pro of virtual theater, the biggest positive? I mean, I think pretty obviously the access and the reach that it could have is so amazing. Um, I never saw another butterfly. I was the first like performing in theater um, that I had done since coming to college anyway, um, in, in like a full scale production. And it was so cool because everybody got to come see it if they wanted from my voice teacher to my friends <laughs> to um, like my grandparents. And, you know, like my babysitter from when I was little saw the show and texted mm -hmm. me about how much she liked it and stuff like that. And so I think that one of the biggest pros for me is being able to share it with everybody, even though there are a lot of things that I hate about virtual theater. Um, it is one of the ways that like community and um, connection has been built. I think that there's a lot that you can manipulate um, on this platform that make it makes it so much easier to to hide things that you don't want to be seen in the same kind of way that film and television does, but that theater can't. Um, mm -hmm. But it's also, it's that beautiful like middle ground between it being live theater and being a film or television. It's on tape, it's recorded, but it's still somewhat happening live, you know? And I, re I really like that. You can mess with the video order. You can mess with the names and the backgrounds and you have the comfort of being in your own space, um, which is definitely a plus in acting classes at least, because I don't know, for me personally, it encourages me to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit more because I'm in a a familiar space that I live in and I'm, you know, accustomed to. It's not that I don't miss, you know, being in the room with people, but I think that there's, there's a lot of insight that you can get when you're all coming from different places onto the same call. I mean, something that I think applies not just to theater is how accessible Zoom has made a lot of things. Um, for example, it didn't matter if you were on campus or not, or had the means or, you know, the healthy immune system to come onto campus to participate in our departmental season, because everyone was doing it either from their shoddy dorm or their shoddy childhood bedroom. 
So everyone was kind of in a similar situation in some ways. Like, yes, if you were on campus, you got the dining hall and you got the campus experience, but anyone could really participate as long as you had, you know, a camera. And I think that kind of accessibility should really be kept in terms of going forward. Like both of us participated in the musical theater audition process. And I think making auditions available virtually would create a lot more financial accessibility for people who can't take a flight on a Wednesday to Chicago with a parent just to audition for a bunch of schools at like a random hotel because that is expensive and unnecessary and you will get so much more talent that way. And, you know, same thing applies to like absences at meetings. Like some people can't go in person, but can go virtually. For example, if you're sick, especially if you're sick at this point, you need to be there to hear some information, but you don't want to contaminate everyone. So I really think that's a pro in terms of, it's crazy that we didn't think of this before. Like, oh, you can't go to this? Maybe FaceTime in. I mean, in more of a professional way. Um, So, you know, I could stage manage the show from my dorm or I could stage manage it from, you know, the Center for the Arts where we did the actual performances. With that, you know, of course comes a million difficulties and little things to get annoyed about. It is hard to find pros in something where you're literally taking away everything you like about something and still trying to pretend you enjoy (laughs) it. But I think that is a definite pro and something that we should keep in mind and not take away just because Zoom theater will go away. A big thing for some of the predominantly like white male professors um, at a lot of theater schools has been like, I am not going to do this production of this until this whole COVID thing is over because I need to have my perfect artistic vision and I need everything to be in line. I need everything to be live and perfect. I need to stage it the exact way you want. And that lack of flexibility is understandable. I didn't really want to have anything to do with Zeter, as I called it, Zoom theater. Um, Theater. I was kind of done when they rolled out, when our school rolled out the virtual season. I was like, absolutely not. Because we were already doing, you know, Zoom acting and I just couldn't bring myself to be in another Zoom play as an actor, um, which is one of the reasons I chose to stage manage. But when it got to like the six month mark and faculty still were refusing to do online stuff. And like, there was no end in sight for this. It got kind of infuriating because as students were able to adapt and change all the time to, you know, whatever our faculty are looking for, whether it's, you know, this kind of girl for the main stage musical or this kind of writer for something yet they weren't able to meet our needs in terms of we want to perform. Um, So I think this has taught a couple people some flexibility in terms of, old school versus whatever the heck we've had to do for the past year (laughs) yeah Uh, for sure I think it's made I mean I hate saying this because like but it's made people better artists and like better people um even though I've seen a lot of very interesting productions there have been some things that I've logged off of at like seeing a virtual show and been like that was definitely something and you know it is great to fail hard because then we know what not to do again like the art forms evolving we're trying to figure it out i think the biggest positive is that uh you know people were able to explore storytelling in a way that they couldn't before um you know there's there's always this saying in live theater 
where, you know, if, if something goes wrong, the show must go on, but we've eliminated, you know, something going wrong because you can edit and do as many takes as you want. Um, yeah. So I think, I think we've reached a point in um, where we're combining film and, and, and the sort of theatrics. And I think what was really inspiring to definitely me, and I know a lot of other people I've worked with, was actually finding new things that we could do to um, combine these two things. So you get the best of, uh, you know, the film experience um, with visual, you know, you can add visual effects, which you really couldn't do um, uh, to, to great perfection in uh, live theater. You could definitely use special effects stuff, but as far as visual effects and making things like look better aesthetically and, and adding things like that, that, that wasn't something you could do it, it, when it's live, uh, but, but maintaining, you know, the integrity of like having a, 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 what feels like a live performance in front of you. That was definitely, I think what intrigued me the most about kind of, kind of taking on this medium. What is the biggest con, in your opinion? The most negative or challenging aspect of it? <laughs> oh my God, I hate looking at myself because I love looking at myself. And like, I think that, like, yeah, that's, words. that's such an actor thing. And like, I thought I was immune, but we would like, we would be in rehearsals and performances, or performances, we recorded it, for I Never Saw Another <laughs> Butterfly. And I would be like, like, I had to look at myself because I had to position myself in frame but then also I was like, oh my God, what is my eyebrow doing there? Or like, <laughs> why am I like smiling so weird? Or why am I like looking cross-eyed? Um, and I like, that's really terrible um, <laughs> about <laughs> virtual theater. I hate looking at myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I think it's made my attention span really bad because when you go to live theater, you can't look away. Um, or if you do, like you're looking into darkness or something, but with virtual theater, especially like I've been to a bunch of virtual readings and just watched and I kind of get bored after a half an hour. So I'll start like going on my phone or like swiping between my desktops on my laptop, um, checking my email. And so I think oh, it's really Checking email. Oh my God. Right? My email I, has never been more adequately monitored <laughs> the past year. Like if I get an email, I will see it within two minutes. Guaranteed. <laughs> Um, and yeah, so I think that also, um, that I just, I can't focus on it because it's on a screen, um, and I'm not being forced to stay at attention. Eye contact. You can't make direct eye contact with anybody. And mm. that is so essential <laughs> to acting and so essential to, to bonding and making connections with people. It's really hard to do a scene when you're just two separate boxes because you're like, where do I look? Do I look off camera? Do I look at them? Do I look at me? I don't know. Cause then it just looks like you're talking to the people who are watching you. And it's so strange. And it's, there's no like real way to, navigate that like there's no there's no um comfortable way to do it it's even though you don't have the vulnerability the vulnerability the vulnerability <laughs> of being in <laughs> of being in a, a studio and having people see your whole body instead of just chest up there's still the the kind of strange feeling of being watched and 
being very conscious of what is on camera and what isn't, um, where you're looking, how you look. Cause I can't, yes, completely. You know, I can't see myself when I'm acting in a studio, you know, mm-hmm. in Larry's class, but I can see everything that I'm doing. And then I'm making eye contact with myself and not with my scene partner. Um, and that takes away so much more than people realize, I think. Whenever someone asks me, why did you choose to do like live theater instead of, you know, TV or film, which is like so much more lucrative. And, you know, it's hard to explain to someone like the thrill of being in the same room as someone while they're giving the performance of their life, like the goals and the artistic achievements of live theater. And then that one thing that we've been continuously like bragging about and saying how magical it is was our downfall in this situation. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, one factor that makes you guys special and interesting, like mm, probably not. Um, which made it really unappealing. Like, even if my friends were in things, my good, close friends, if they were like, I'm in a virtual play, I'd be like, mm, I'll think about it. Like, even if I would support them for anything, like, I really had to sit there and be like, I am a good friend. I am a good friend. I'm going to spend this hour being a good friend. Because, you know, it can kind of just be hard to watch something that's supposed to be live face to face where you can, like, see someone spit because they're enunciating so hard in this format where people are in two boxes and they're like, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? And like people are trying their hardest as well, of course, but there was never going to be a way to match up. You you can't mm-hmm. do live theater on Zoom in a way that is going to bring it justice. So in some ways, I feel like I've, I mean, I think a lot of people would agree. We've been robbed of two years of our lives in terms of, well, not just theater, but in terms of live theater experiences that we could have had, that those are two years of college that we will never get back in terms of performance opportunities. I can't put what I've done on Zoom and what I've done in person in the same category because mm-hmm. they are really different things. It's like if someone's passion was basketball and you were like, okay, so we're, we've run into this issue where, you know, the floor is going to be on the ceiling and instead of balls, we're going to use Frisbees. And it's like, well, that kind of changes everything we've learned before. So I don't know how we're going to do this well. Um, and then people actually stepping in and taking the time to make something of whatever just happened. Um, and I commend people who have done that. So I've been an organizer of some Zener myself, um, but wouldn't do it again. I think, I think the biggest con, uh, this, this is actually a two-parter. The biggest con was on the same, <laughs> yeah, on, this, on the same um, kind of notice what I was saying before about how you can take as many takes as you want. The audience also will have a higher expectation for the results and they'll be a little more critical yeah. of, you know, the performances of the, of the performers. Cause you know, you, you, in live theater, they'll be like, oh, you know, it happens, whatever it's, it's live. But what I've noticed is I've got, I, I, when I've been watching, you know, in rooms with people, they'll be more critical of, the performance of the actors. Um, and I think the other con was that, uh, was time. Um, you have to go through when you're planning rehearsals, like when live, it's, it's really, um, it's really a lot more easy and efficient to just, um, you know, say, this is, you know, this is the outline. This is what we're doing. Meet at this place. And then you have that much time. But when you have, when you're, when you're planning on zoom to, to do rehearsals, um, 
things just come up for people. And, and it, it's, a, it's a lot more surprisingly of a commitment to, to set up a Zoom meeting um, than it is to like meet somewhere live. So um, it was working with, with time, working with people's commitments um, and, and really establishing that you need more time than you think you do to, um, to put this thing together. Cause you, you really, you really never know what people are doing or, or um, what, what the, what the, what the thing is there. And, and you really do have to be understanding of, um, of people's commitments and, and, and their time and everything like that. Was there anything about doing virtual theater that was surprising or like any possibility that arose that you like weren't expecting it to? Yeah, I think in spring of 2021, when I um, assistant stage managed um, magic and it was my very first time doing anything stage management related. Um, and I and our production stage manager, Allegra, um, were- <laughs> Shout <laughs> out Allegra. The, like the two of us were in the basement of our center for the arts um, while three of our actors were in the guest house that Muhlenberg has all the way across campus um, in individual rooms where they couldn't interact with each other using giant green screens while the other assistant stage manager was at the bottom of that house. And then three or four of the actors were at home with their own green screens in their own spaces. And so like just like the way that I was on campus and I was doing this stage management job. But when I was in this little room in the basement and I pushed a button, sound played for everybody. Uh, you, you, like, I think that, yeah, that was really surprising for me that like in a lot of ways, stage managers, especially like, I, I think this is more a PSM role. Usually I'm not exactly sure, but to be, in a separate area from where the actors are. So that was kind of not necessarily a job that an ASM would be doing exactly. Um, but the fact that I was in a completely different space felt both very foreign to me um, as a stage management role and as somebody that hadn't done it really before. Um, but also it felt kind of familiar because we were like in a box in the middle of, like in, the, in a separate part of the theater. Um, you know, like it felt like I was at the back of the theater in our mm -hmm. like, you know, light and sound booth, watching <laughs> the action happen in a way. So that was kind of surprising. Oh, absolutely. I think this is actually um, something new that I've kind of realized this week even is for me, doing things virtually has always felt like, like, oh, fine. You know, it was like what, <laughs> what I had to do. Um, and now that the option to go back in person is starting to present itself. What's surprising is how few people are taking it and how for some virtual is actually preferred, which was not my experience. And that's why it surprises me, I think, because um, I've been starting to, to do um, agent showcases, communicating with casting directors, stuff like that. And we're never going back to full in-person or at least not for a while, full in-person showcases, full in-person auditions. They might want to meet you in person, but that initial contact is going to be made online because we've hit this point where it's so much easier to call someone on a exactly. Zoom call from LA 
and talk to them that way. And they never have, they never have to see you in person. I had an agent tell me they signed three people that they've never even, they've never seen, you know, below their neck or like their shoulders. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. Cause it's so much easier now. And I love the easiness of all of that. The it, it's convenient. Sure. But I always thought when this is over, I'm we're all it's everything's going to go back to normal ever. But you know, what is normal anymore? I mean, I think zoom, like the company zoom itself, um, was able to build quite an industry, uh, <laughs> atop this i mean it, it's just crazy to me that skype had like a five-year lead on them and zoom was lost able to really lost hard like tragically wow. hard that's really bad um but honestly a lot of our lives were determined by like what features does zoom have now like they were continuously mm-hmm. adding things where you know you could move the boxes and like to some people it's like whatever but if you're doing a show where people need to be in a specific order to you know look to their right and pretend they're looking right at each other uh, people thought that was so quirky and fun like brady bunch style you know as different features were added and zoom got more advanced and then they added I'm sure they had this before, but people figured out that you could do a webinar, meaning, you know, grandma couldn't accidentally turn on her mic and be like, is this working and ruin your production? And things got very advanced. Like for the show that I stage managed, we were doing a Zoom call, but we were live streaming out using a separate live stream platform so that everyone's screen would look the same at all times. And just people just started getting smarter. So I think as people kind of accepted the reality a little bit more and yeah out of that place of like this stupid zoom like I'm not gonna and start being like this is how I have to talk to my friends now because it, th- that's not a great realization to have like people want to stay in that space of like this is temporary and like I think we all did for weeks or months um but I think as people kind of came to their senses about this zoom theater got a little better just in terms of like accessibility like understand like there were some times where I did not really understand what was going on in zoom theater and sometimes that didn't change but and also from you know some pretty bad zoom productions being mounted learning from those mistakes because again same new medium I feel like we created a whole new subsection of whatever I think the most surprising thing was how many new friends I made that I never knew existed and never thought that I would ever meet one example is uh, Will Howitt, who who I met through um, doing orchestration, and he's an amazing orchestrator. I ba- I barely even knew he existed, to be honest. Um, we met kind of through circumstance, and it was it was through reaching out via Facebook. But now we're we're really good friends, and um, it's the same with a lot of other people. A lot of other people I've worked with, and uh, I, I think just the level of entrepreneurship that you're seeing from people when a lot of it's in their hands and you know a lot of a lot of people beforehand when things were live and, and there was a lot of you know bustling theater people would um be like oh here's a company i'm gonna go to them but now you see a lot more people being like hey let's start something um and you're seeing a, a ton more entrepreneurship especially from young people which um and a lot more drive to work together to uh with other people who have a similar drive for entrepreneurship to uh to make things happen so I think that definitely impressed me about this whole sort of crazy process. And it's not even just project. It's you see student businesses coming out of nowhere. Like it's, um, and, yes. and, and pe- because people, I mean, people want to create stuff and if they don't have the outlet to do it, um, 
you know, live, they're going to find other, other ways to do it. And, and, um, I think, I think when I was seeing, um, at those craft fairs back at, at school, like all the, all the outdoor fairs, you'd see tables and tables of student businesses. And it was, it was wonderful. It was, it wasn't really in a volume you, you, you really see before. And I think that definitely has something to do with it, finding a creative outlet and then like, you know, focusing in on it. Do you think virtual theater has a future? I think it will. My one of my first experiences with virtual theater was back in I forget if it was like 2016 or 2017 when Daddy Longlegs, which is my favorite show in the entire world, <laughs> live streamed a performance um, from their off Broadway house, and it was the first show of its scale to ever do that. I watched that, um, and now that live stream is able to be watched whenever. And they've since done that for their productions. And now that um, theater is how it is, like a bunch of places have done that. Um, and so, and funnily enough, I actually watched a live stream of a different production of Daddy Long Legs this past semester. Um, <laughs> and so it's all come full circle. But I think that like when that happened, people didn't really see it as a thing that, you, you know, like it was revolutionary, but it didn't happen again for three or four years. Um, and I think that going forward, that's something that's gonna happen, both because of um, that we have the mindsets to do that. Um, you know, like we think that that's something that's possible and like we've made the avenues to make that possible. But I also think that more and more people are speaking up about the accessibility of it. And I think that that is a way to make it more accessible. And I think that, um, producers of all scales, like of all production scales are seeing that. And um, something that was kind of like a novelty isn't as much of a novelty anymore. I, yeah, I think it's gonna stick around. Yeah, yes, I do. Again, it's the convenience of it. Um, and even there, there are things that, you know, I hate to acknowledge because I can't wait to go back and sit in a theater or be on a stage with real people in real life again. But there are things on this platform that aren't attainable or aren't possible when we're all in person and everything is happening live. Um, yeah, so yes, I, I do. It's It's easier to connect location wise. Um, and I think that that's a whole globalization, whatever we don't have to get into, but <laughs> I think, I think that it's going to survive past this. It it's been on its way for a while now. And, um, this just sped up the process. And as much as we like to think that, you know, COVID hindered everything, it might not be the case when it comes to, to live theater. Maybe it's the silver lining, you know? I do think there could be some valuable experiences in post-COVID virtual theater for certain groups and organizations. Theater troops meeting in different places from across the world, you know, this could allow access to, or this could allow for theater troops that have never met in real life kind of the same thing as having internet friends and you mm. and you hang out with them in chat rooms you could you could do a play 
um, via Zoom. I think it could also make for some interesting, like, children's theater. Um, Perhaps, I mean, a lot of the kids' theater near me is rather expensive. Like, take your third grader and your second grader and, like, you know, the grandparents to see a production of Harold and the Purple Crayon is going to set you back um, (laughs) just to give your kids that, you know, live theater downtown experience, um, especially in the D.C. area where I'm from. So, you know, just kind of live streaming a kid's production like it's Coco Melon um, might be a good way for kids, especially like COVID era babies, um, to be exposed to theater before they, you know, sit in a quiet, dark room where they've never been. Um, It might be like bridge. So I think it could work for that. Also, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're in an old folks home and it's too risky to, you know, take you to New York City to see Hamilton or something yeah. like that. it might not be the best for you with your health. You could bring it to home. So I think yeah. there is a lucrative and interesting future possibly for Zoom theater after we quote need it. I I think I do. I do think the virtual theater has a future. It may not be in the volume that we're seeing now, but I think um I I, I saw um, I, I, you might've been there too. I, I think you were there. there. There was that, um, there was that presentation about the, uh, it was like the 3d, like virtual reality theater. Uh, yes. yes. I um, I forget the woman, I think it was, it was Tara Amadina, Amadina Jad, I think it was her name. I, I forget yeah, how I to pronounce so. it. Um, but, uh, yeah, what she was saying in there was, was really, really profound. I think it's going to be more along the lines of that where it's, where it's, mm. um, environments that are structured to be virtual in some way like like in a game for example where you're actually interacting with real people like that that's something that people would would, uh be really um especially especially gamers and people who um maybe aren't as into like the live theater scene but are into like games and and virtual reality augmented reality stuff that would appeal i think it'll appeal to different audiences is kind of the the um the short answer of that but um, I do think I do think it has a future because I think we've seen a lot of projects that were made specifically for online that couldn't be like translated into in person. I think we're I think we're definitely going to see kind of like a renaissance of um, <laughs> project yeah like, like that, I mean, the, the, of projects that are, are made specifically digitally and um, whatever form that comes in whether it be like more movie musicals whether that be uh, stage plays that are filmed whether that be augmented reality virtual reality games. I think you'll see a lot more of that. And the last question is, do you think it should have a future? Ooh, that, wow. That turns it <laughs> on its head. Um, I mean, I guess, yes, I think it should have a future for accessibility. But I think Zoom theater, if I, like in my opinion, I think it should just be used for like readings or thing, or, you know, like workshops. And mm-hmm. I, cause I think that that's been a really great thing. I actually was in a reading workshop thing of my sister's play and her play has characters. Um, like half the cast is supposed to have an American accent and then the other half has either British or Irish accents. And so she had actors that she met when she was in London do those parts and that wouldn't have been able to happen. And I don't know if she knows many British or Irish actors who live <laughs> in the States and like could just do something in person. So um, I think that for like readings and workshops, especially of things that want or require 
actors from around the world or at, in different locations, I think that that's you know, st- should stick around. Mm-hmm. But like full scale productions on Zoom, please burn it. I like I don't want it <laughs> anymore. <laughs> if you asked me six months ago, I would have said no. <laughs> but I I do. Um, I think that we've all become so much more forgiving of each other because of zoom like if my cat jumps into the frame nobody's gonna be like oh Kiara how dare you that's so unprofessional because you know yeah so I, I met an agent whose baby was like crying the entire time she was talking but nobody was like oh that is so rude because <laughs> because uh, this has made us all so like I, I get it. This has made us all so much more forgiving. There's some things that you can't work around and that you can't hide. Let's say I'm wrong and virtual theater has no future and whatever. I still think that it's um given us a lot. No, I really, I really, really don't. <laughs> As someone who's filled out dozens of zoom rehearsal reports and sat in on 60 hours of rehearsal for a zoom play I honestly never want to see zoom again after the next couple months I I know we will but I think there are just in my personal view way too many negative and traumatic things associated with this platform this time in our lives and in America And what we've been doing here to have a fond outlook on this kind of thing in the future. Like, I can't get excited in a year when someone says to me, I'm in a production of Zoom Legally Blonde. What? Why? On purpose? When you can do things in person? Again, unless I'm being a really good friend, I don't ever feel the need or desire to watch a Zoom show again because I can just watch a movie. And that might sound harsh, but the only reason we were really watching each other's Zoom theater was to support each other because that was the only way we could support theater artists. But when the opportunities begin to open again of like, you can go see this show, and I am choosing between seeing a live production and a Zoom production with my Friday night, I'm going to go see a production in person. I will never choose a Zoom theatrical production over basically any other activity. If you told me, like, we are going to read the driver's manual for your Honda Civic, and the other option was, or you could watch this Zoom play, I would be like, so what about the air conditioning? You know, I, I think in some ways, yes. I think in some ways it should it should have a future. I think I, I think we definitely there definitely is a place for live theater. And I think there should be a resurgence of a different kind of live theater. Um, but I think in some volume there should be a resurgence of 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 digital or or, or like a a, a a birth of digital theater, um, like in the ways that I was talking about before. I, th- I think there's new new ways to present uh, these kinds of stories with with real people, um, and I think augmented reality is the perfect way to do it. Um, but I also think that um, there should be a resurgence of live theater in the sense that um, the sort of uh, I think the sort of stories we're going to be seeing told are going to be very different. 
Um, and I think that's for good reason. I think people are, are, are very much more aware now having seen um, projects that like a lot of passion projects coming out and a lot of people sharing their stories in a very real way through the pandemic that uh, we're going to see a lot of the, you know, capitalist Broadway kind of die down. Uh, and I think people are going to have a lot more uh, audience members are going to have a lot more um, say in um, the, the stories that they're seeing told uh, when Broadway reopens and when a lot of, you know, big theaters reopen. Another huge thank you to Emily, Kiara, Allison, Danny, and all of the other students who let me interview them for this project. It was so much fun getting to talk with you guys. So I was debating how to conclude this series, and I landed on interviewing one last person. Me. I fit the criteria. I'm a college theater student with experience in virtual theater. So, hello. My name is Neve Sherlock. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a rising junior at Muhlenberg College. My experiences in virtual theater have been performing in a live-streamed concert last summer, originating a character in a play written for Zoom, and performing in a bunch of other virtual theater events, such as the Muhlenberg Theater Association's Fundraiser Cabaret and a few student recitals through the Muhlenberg Music Department. I'm also a student researcher who has heard so many intriguing and inspiring perspectives on virtual theater while conducting this little podcast project called Must Go On. I don't know if you've heard of it. Okay, this is getting too meta. Anyways, I've also taken a full year of theater school virtually, including acting, technical theater, and theater scholarship courses. The biggest pro of virtual theater in my eyes is undoubtedly the accessibility that it provides. After considering all of the information compiled in this series, I really realized that theater is now available to a much wider audience since it has moved to digital spaces. I'm really fascinated with the idea of live streaming theater performances and how that could continue the level of accessibility that we've been providing over the past year and a half once we get to open back up again. Even growing up close to New York City in New Jersey, don't think I'd let you forget, I did not have the knowledge or the opportunity to experience many shows outside of class field trips to large Broadway productions, normally musicals. I believe aspects of virtual theater like live streaming opens up so many doors for theater to obtain a larger and much more inclusive audience. Predictably, I'm gonna say the biggest con in my opinion has been the loss of community. With the audience and within the team. In the past, when I've been a part of shows, I've developed such close bonds, even lifelong friendships, through the process of a show. Spending so much time together naturally brings people closer, but there's something about the conversations and inside jokes that form during a 10-minute break or backstage that can't be replaced over digital platforms. I noticed a trend when creating this project. Aspects of virtual theater that are majorly beneficial to the audience members, in my view, often prove detrimental to the theater makers. Financial accessibility for virtual theater audiences is revolutionary and opens up doors to entirely new groups of people, but the lack of income puts theater professionals out of work. Locational accessibility allows new populations to watch content from all across the world, but the teams behind shows never get to connect on this level that I mentioned earlier. I don't know, it's a difficult balance. I was probably most surprised by the personal initiative and the creativity of my peers. Of course, I never doubted them, but they somehow managed to exceed my already high expectations. I saw virtual works that were truly stunning, with many people my age creating beautiful work out of difficult circumstances. I would find myself closing my laptop after a virtual performance and thinking, wow, that was really enjoyable. 
And if you had asked me at the start of the pandemic if that would be possible, I probably would have laughed in your face. Now, the big questions. Do I think virtual theater has a future? Absolutely. We just made a whole new thing, and I think it's highly improbable that people will just let it die, especially after learning all of this new information. Besides, not everyone is bounding out their front door to go sit in a dense room, breathing the same air as strangers, right after this year. There is still a considerable amount of people worried about COVID, and justifiably so. So I don't think virtual options or alternatives will disappear right away, or possibly ever. Do I think it should have a future? In my opinion, as a theater student and researcher, my completely biased but well-educated opinion, I think it should. Don't get me wrong, when I got to see the first in-person dance performance on my campus last semester, it almost brought tears to my eyes. I am completely ready for in-person theater to return. But I also believe virtual theater highlights some glaring flaws within the industry and the art of theater, and I think we should definitely learn some lessons from it before we move forward. If anything, the aspects of virtual theater that made it so much more accessible should be considered and implemented in future productions, no matter what realm they take place in. I also support letting fully virtual theater, like plays made for Zoom and audio microplays, continue to develop and flourish. Why not? They're cool, or at least I think so. There's enough room for every idea in the creative world, and I think people should continue to work with the medium and see what's possible. I'm going to mention one last quote from the New York Times Theater Critics Conversation because it perfectly sums up my answer to this question. I literally could not have said it better myself. Brantley says, quote, When was the last time, was there ever a moment in our lifetimes before this, that we were able to argue about what is an entirely new genre of art? Let it grow and mutate and thrive in all sorts of surprising ways. Phillips responds, quote, Why wouldn't we let this art form evolve? That's how we know it's alive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Must Go On, and thank you for listening to the entire series, if you have. As a reminder, citations for my sources used are in the show notes. You can follow the project on Instagram at MustGoOnPod for behind-the-scenes po- content. Must Go On also has a website, nevesherlock.bergbuilds.domain slash mustgoon, where you can find full transcripts of every episode, my full project bibliography, and more. Creating this project has been so rewarding, getting to hear all these incredible stories and perspectives, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to them as much as I've enjoyed getting to listen to them. I'd like to give a huge thank you to all of the staff members at the Summer Digital Scholars Research Team at Trexler Library, Tim Clark, Susan Maldonado, Jordan Noyes, Brittany Robertson, and Laura Taub. This project quite literally would not have happened if it weren't for you guys. While this is technically the last episode, I don't know if this project can ever be considered finished. There is and will be so much more to learn and talk about with virtual theater as time goes on. It's been a rough year, but I'm excited to see what the future holds. And I hope you are too. Thanks again for listening.